Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Subjectively Speaking. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And we've got an interesting one for you. We don't do this very often because normally we have things to talk about. And we do have some things to update y'all on, but um, really we don't have a lot of content because the Columbus Blue Jackets have not played hockey uh, in a very long time since they played Edmonton uh, last Thursday. So as, as this episode is being released a week ago and they're not playing again until at the very earliest uh, Monday, December 27th against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll leave our fingers crossed that that happens, but a lot of nothing really happening here in Columbus, Ohio for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. As of yesterday, which was Tuesday, uh, December 21st. Yes. Days are hard. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. As of yesterday, Tuesday, Um, After the Vegas game, the NHL officially went on an extended holiday break. They are avoiding using the word pause. Um, The league was going to go on a break anyway for the holiday, but they extended it by two days um, due to the very fast um, amount, very fast and rapidly spreading amount of COVID that is going through the league right now, um, as we talked about in our last episode, um, it did not spare the Blue Jackets, unfortunately. We now have six players in COVID protocol. Uh, Boone Jenner, Jack Roslevic, Jonas Corposalo, Gabriel Carlson. I'm going to forget who the other ones are. It's really okay. There are six Robinson. players. There are six players in COVID protocol. Did you see Gabriel Carlson's? Instagram story. I did. Um, and I feel so bad. I also feel very terrible for Corpy. Corpy, um, as everyone is aware, um, he and Elvis came down with a similar non-COVID illness. Um, but Corpy definitely had the brunt of it where he spent five days um in bed with a very high fever and like definitely was not feeling great thought it was covid um turned out it wasn't it was like a weird bronchial infection um but he literally just got over that and now he is on the covid protocol um which hopefully that previous illness is not exacerbating his symptoms if he has any we we don't know um if any of the players are actively showing symptoms um but they did test positive enough for them to be placed <clears throat> within the COVID protocol. So, so far, no other players have um, entered protocol and none of our staff have entered protocol. So fingers crossed that this is for right now um, what we have to deal with. But um, like Jeremy said, we will not return to the ice until at the earliest next Monday, December 27th, but no one's on the ice. So everyone, they've all been posting, those who aren't in protocol have all been, around the league have all been 
posting pictures from like the golf course or wherever because <laughs> yeah. normally they don't have time off like this right now so um so yeah it is yet to be determined if they will extend this pause but um if we know the nhl they're gonna try their damnedest not to so. yeah well and the league is also like people had reported that the league wanted to make sure that players weren't doing exactly what you just said where they're taking these like mini vacations and all that kind of stuff traveling you name it putting themselves in situations where they're at higher risk because of course like you said the nhl is doing everything it can to make sure that come monday the 27th hockey comes back and you know i'm not a betting man yes i am uh i really don't foresee that game against toronto happening on the 27th like like the first thing to go was international travel between canada and the united states for and that was you know a few days before the pause happened uh or the extended break sorry nhl and the powers that be that international travel was can and so i'm like are they gonna continue it on the 27th like are they gonna have toronto come down on the 27th who knows but of course, then we play in Chicago on the 28th. And so, you know, a lot of games coming up actually in like pretty rapid succession for the Blue Jackets. I mean, they've got the game against Toronto and then they've got Chicago and then a day break and then they've got Nashville and then a day break and then they've got Carolina. So it's just like there's a lot of games coming up for the team. And so, you know, currently it seems like the NHL is still planning to do things like the Winter Classic and stuff like that. So obviously you're hopeful that hockey's at least back by December for or January 1st excuse me if in fact the pause gets extended I'm calling it a pause I can they know where to find me and we'll go from there but another another piece of the puzzle that kind of helps to solve some other like possible weird scheduling issues is that the NHL and the NHL Players Association has decided that uh, the Olympics are not going to happen with NHL players in it this year. And of course, that's sad. Um, the Blue Jackets were fixing to have many a player uh, invited to uh, the Olympics. And so, of course, we think of players, at least I think of players like, uh, you know, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is a huge part of ensuring that Denmark makes their first ever Olympic, uh, you know, run. And then you've got players like Ellis Merzlikens, who you know is going to be playing in this tournament, this Olympic tournament with a little bit of extra love and remembrance for Matisse Kivlenix. And obviously that's not going to happen. And so those parts suck. Part of me is hoping that the Olympics get pushed back to next year. I don't think there's any way, but I'm hopeful. The good thing though, of course, with this is that the NHL will have the month of February to try to piecemeal everything together uh, from this extended break to uh, put together the games that were supposed to happen during the month of February. And so that'll be nice. It could end up being weird for the Blue Jackets who as of right now have like a game against Calgary that needs to get made up. They've got a game, obviously, against Buffalo, two against Buffalo, one home, one away. And then if things get extended even further, then you're looking at having Toronto need to come back in, but then also travel to Chicago. And so if things get suspended through the first, they'll have – math is hard, six, five games. Five games? Calgary, Calgary, Buffalo, Buffalo, uh, 
Toronto. So, so six. They'll have six games that they need to make up in February. And so obviously that's doable. I believe the powers that be in Blue Jackets Twitter land said that there are only two major events scheduled in the month of February, two or three at Nationwide Arena. And they're not like huge engagements. So, you know, obviously they can fit it around those three things. I will be damned if they do anything to fuck up me taking my niece to see Disney on ice. You say that, you say that as if you would not be a contributor to the fucking up of Disney on ice by attending the game that fucked up Disney on ice. Like I know that about you and I, you can be all holier than that, but girl, I know you'd be there. No, I choose Hallie. But like, you might not have a choice. You won't. You'll you'll be fine. They're not gonna they're not gonna kick Disney on Ice out. They're not gonna kick the mouse out. The mouse has power. Um, I just lost what I was gonna say. Um, plus they're still as of right now still planning on doing the All Star Game. So list of things that are stupid. They're gonna need that first week in February for whomever to travel to Vegas. Um for the all-star weekend so I mean, unless that, i'm sure yeah. all the players that weren't although they may have different rules now with covid about them going on vacation um that they normally do um during the all-star break but yeah don't mess with my disney on ice but also thank you for not allowing them to go to the olympics because that could have been a whole mess. Whole Correct. Mess. Yeah, it, it would have been a problem. And I think for the most part, the players understand, right? And I think the players agree. Obviously, there are some players that are upset. But nevertheless, I think it's it, what's being done is what has to be done. And we kind of move on from there. And, uh, you know, we try to, to talk about as much hockey as we can. But obviously, in a week like this, where we don't have a ton to talk about other than than what we've talked about, we can bring back an old friend and they're not here with us. They are probably asleep. We're recording at 1246 AM. So I hope they're asleep. Uh, and that very special friend is you heard him already once in the show, Mike Todd. So yes, we are re-releasing um, our interview with Mike Todd, the in arena host um, for the blue jackets at nationwide arena uh out of all the interviews we've done we thought this one was the most appropriate to re-release because people are missing going to games worried about what it's gonna look like going to games here on out you know all those sort of stuff so um we thought it'd be fun to reflect on the things we love most when we're in nationwide arena and so why not um Go back to talking to the atmosphere himself, Mr. Mike Todd. The atmosphere. I actually think that he should just be called that from now on. I agree. And I feel like maybe he can create a DQ creation called the atmosphere. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we do do a lot of Dairy Queen talk uh, in this interview. Because for those of you who don't know, Mike owns um, a couple of different chains of Dairy Queen in Central Ohio. Um, we still have yet to take him up on his offer to teach us how to do uh, the cue, but we need to we need to do that for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just it's one of our favorite episodes, um, definitely one of our best interviews. And 
you know, we say it all the time, but like a lot of stuff changed for us after we did the interview with Mike Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you all know, because you've made it the star, he is the voice of our podcast. Um, we both still always listen to the intro um, because it's just still so incredible to us that he, not even knowing who we were, agreed to just um, just do it, record our intro for us. So. I do think it's funny that we both always refer to Mike as the voice of our podcast, even though the two of us lend our voices to usually at least an hour worth of <laughs> conversation. I, like one could probably argue that we're the voices, but I think until further notice, Mike is always going to be the voice of subjectively speaking. And so we're going to let you listen to that voice now for a little bit longer than just the intro. And we'll wrap it up with, you know, like the normal social media plugs from Laura. All right, everyone. So Mike Todd began his career as the in-arena host with the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2003. Before he heads to the arena, Mike is the owner of multiple Dairy Queen locations in the Pickerington and the East Columbus area. And on days where he's not making us feel at home at Nationwide Arena or serving up some killer blizzards, he works as a sideline reporter for the CW Columbus. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, guys. It's an absolute honor to join you. Thank you so much. Yes, I cannot tell you how excited we have been ever since um, we decided to shoot our shot and ask if you could be on the podcast. Um, we are both huge fans of yours. Um, Thank you. Uh, but to get us started, uh, can you walk us through what it was like becoming the in-arena host for the Columbus Blue Jackets? Uh, the Mike Todd origin story. Okay. So back in 2003, as Jeremy mentioned, um, a friend of mine, D.D. Bowers, who is still a Blue Jackets season ticket holder, she saw a posting on the website for an in arena host. And up to that point, I had worked in radio at times and had been a DJ uh, for weddings and corporate events up to that, till that point, that was 2003. So by in like 16, 17 years, I'd been doing that. She says, well, you know, you ought to try out for that, that blue jackets thing. You, you might be pretty good at that. So I said, okay. And uh, me and a group of other people went and auditioned for it, and they narrowed it down to three people. And then each of us worked a preseason game. And then the rest is history. And I will be starting my 18th year with the organization this upcoming season. That's awesome. I have to know, the, the wedding DJ gigs, did you have a DJ name or? Just, just went with. Uh, my company, which I actually still, it still exists. It's called Buckeye Mobile Music. Um, but it basically just exists like any announcing gigs I get. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the storefront that I use. So, but yeah, did Buckeye Mobile Music and DJ to gajillion weddings and all kinds of corporate events. And that really prepared me for the environment of being an in-arena host in a professional sports environment just having to think on your feet, having to please the crowd, making sure everyone's happy, being upbeat and energetic all the time. Uh, it, it really, really was, was beneficial for me to, to feel more comfortable, uh, at least in the beginning of becoming the in-arena host for the Blue Jackets. Okay, tougher crowd, weddings or nationwide arena on some nights? Ooh, that's a good one. Once again, it depends on the crowd. You know, there were there were nights when a wedding where you could do no wrong and every song you played, everybody got up and danced. And then there were nights where just 
nobody wanted to dance and you didn't take it personally. You just kept playing the music and you just, you just did the best that you can. And the same thing at a blue jackets game. There were nights where, I mean, if, if we're winning, you know, the, uh, the Montreal game where it was what, 10 to nothing. I mean, once again, I, I could have, you know, I, I could have done whatever and people would be like, Oh, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen, you know, but then there, there are the dark times when the jackets weren't so good and, and it didn't matter what you did. Somebody hopped on the internet after the game and said, boy, that Mike Todd, he stinks. He's the worst in the world, you know, and it's just, so it, it once again, just depends on the evening, uh, what, what kind of reaction you get from the crowd. No doubt. So obviously like the crowds, like you said, they vary. Is it easy for you to tell like from the jump of the game, what the crowd is going to be like? I mean, obviously the, the play is going to determine a lot of that, but um, do you feel the difference in a crowd on a Thursday night versus a, you know, a Saturday evening or. It depends, you know, there, there are times when maybe, you know, during the beginning of the season, there's that, there's that excitement, that anticipation. So it's really electric. And then, you know, if it's later on in the season, depending on how we're doing, uh, if we're playing against, you know, just depends on who, it seems like we always get up for, for the big name teams, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the, the Nashville Predators, the New York Rangers, whatnot. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, the fans are always into it. And I think that's one of the things I always try to, impress upon people who aren't from here it's like listen guys you know we're happy to be here and we're happy to cheer on our blue jackets and no matter what day of the week it is no matter who we're playing you know we're cheering on our team and we're trying to have a good time and at least you know forget about life for two and a half three hours and just enjoy a good hockey game and a good experience yeah 100 percent. i mean jeremy and i we you know, also we've started this podcast because of, you know, missing out on those opportunities of going to games this year, but also because Jeremy indoctrinated me into hockey. I, sports was not a part of my life um, in the slightest until uh, three and a half years ago um, when he needed an extra plus one for his season tickets. So, um, and I quickly drank the Blue Jackets Kool-Aid and, uh, I have a, a fifth line tattoo, so um, they are permanently embedded on my body. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> and uh, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely a place, like, we always tell people when we bring them to games, like, regardless of how the Blue Jackets are doing, you're going to see fans that are happy to be there and happy to participate in what's going on in the arena, you know, happy to just see the different things that we have, of course, the cannon and you know, the, the mural of hats um, from hat tricks and all that sort of stuff. Um, but speaking of in arena entertainment, what is your favorite in-game, you know, contest or game that you host, if you have a favorite? Oh, it's hard to tell. Um, I really enjoy interviewing the little kids during the intermissions when they do the future jackets. I think those are really cool just because, there's such a level of uncertainty. You're not sure what they're going to say. And so, you know, you'll ask, and this is the one that's popping into my, in my head right now. I remember talking to a kid, it's like, you know, well, well, Skippy, you know, what's something your coach has told you that has really stuck with you and makes you want to play hockey better. And he was like, uh, nothing, you know, and, and, the, and the whole crowd bursts out laughing or something like that. So those are always fun. I do love when we do the uh, Myers Jewelers, 
what's it called? The uh, pressure luck where they've got to go over, they got to say no amnies and they got to stop because I want them to win. That's the one thing is no matter what the contest is, by golly, I want them to win. I want them to take home whatever cool stuff we're giving away. And you've been to enough games, you realize that most of the time I'm going to give it to them anyway, whether, whether, they, whether they win or lose. And that, it's funny because some people say, well, fans, you know, should I give them the prize? And the bunch of them are like, no. And I'm like, oh, stop it. I'm going to give it to them anyway. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, just the joy, you know, the true joy when someone really wins something or they've done something really well, uh, it, it's a real kick for me. So I'm just, any game where the, the fan wins something, it's, it's my favorite. No doubt. So you, you brought up the future Jackets games, and obviously that was something that was missing this year um, as a result of the different protocols uh, in Nationwide Arena. So one, how much did you miss that part of the game this year? And, and two, could you kind of fill us in on, on what you were doing for the Jackets prior to fans being welcomed back into Nationwide Arena? So I'll take the second question first. So I knew that when we knew that there was going to be a season, there weren't going to be fans to begin with. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, they're not going to need an arena host because there's going to be no one there to really interact with. So I got a, a call from Derek Dolly who is my, uh, who's my boss of the Blue Jackets. He's the head of game presentation. He said, would you be interested in doing the synthetic crowd noise? Because they were, they at least wanted to create the atmosphere for the viewing public, whether they were viewing it on television or, or listening to it on radio, they wanted it to sound, sound like, you know, it was an in arena experience. So I jumped on that. Uh, it was something different, something out of my comfort zone but I trained for a week and did, I, I think I did 10 simulated games where I was watching game footage and I was, was running. And there's a, there's a video, I think it's on Bally Sports, uh, Dave Metzel did on me um, that kind of shows you the ins and outs, but there are two color-coded keyboards and reacting. The great thing about this year with that was I got to watch every second of every home game this year. Now, results notwithstanding and, and everything that's, that's taken place since then, but I, I considered it a treat. I was like, you know what? Enjoy this because, you know, even though it's kind of weird and there's not a lot of fans here, enjoy this because you're able to see every single second of every single game. So I was allowed to not only work the game, but also truly be a fan when I'm the arena host, you know, I'm moving to the next part of the, of the arena, trying to figure out what the next contest is going to be, things that, you know, just, just doing different things. This, I had a, a great seat in 117 where the organ um, normally is. So I got to see every game. Now, as far as fans not being there to begin with, it was strange because I would always start the crowd noise even before game time started. And then the weird thing was, after finishing all that crowd noise during the game, as soon as the game was over, they told us, listen, we want you to make sure you bring down all the crowd noise so that they can hear them when they're interviewing them through the media. So I would turn off that crowd noise and it sounded like an empty gym. And there were just echoes everywhere. And you're like, boy, this is odd. So when the fans came back, oh, you know, even though it was only 4,000 fans, th this massive void was filled. And it actually made my job a little easier with the crowd noise because before I was pressing every single reaction, every ooh and every ah. And when the fans came back, I just had, I just had a little 
I just had to do a little bit of crowd noise. Uh, the, the analogy I use is before the fans came back, I was the entire pot of spaghetti. And then when the fans came back, I was just the Parmesan and the oregano. Um, so it was great. It was great having the fans come back in. It was great seeing people, uh, you know, even though we were still socially distanced and wearing masks and whatnot, but it made me appreciate how much the fifth line brings to a game and how much any fan base brings to any kind of event, whether it be a sporting event, something in the arts, just the, the ability to, even if there's not a direct connection, there's this implied connection between the fans and the performers or the athletes that really provides that extra level of energy. Uh, and once again, once, once things are, are back to, you know, somewhat normal and, and hopefully, you know, this fall when the season starts again, we'll all be able to be back together and boy, I can't wait for that. That's going to be incredible. Yes, we were two of those 4,000 fans on that first game back um, because March 2nd is my birthday. Ah, happy I, <laughs> Thank you. I could not have cried more than the day that they announced that the first game with fans was going to be my birthday. Um, and it was also 366 days exactly since the last game we had seen because my birthday game was the March 1st Vancouver game. Oh, yes. The last home game before um, the COVID shutdown. So we were trying our darndest to help you out with the, the sound. Um, you know, we had really nice seats right behind the goal. Cam scored right in front of us in that very first period. He's my favorite, so I was over the moon. Um, but yeah, we were we were definitely trying to help you out um, for that game. Um, but can you tell us about like what one of your favorite fan interactions has been in this position? Because I'm sure you have dealt with any number of people in any state uh, while during a game. It's it's always crazy because it depends on the evening. The fan interactions during Hockey Fights Cancer Night are always special for me. And I, I've said this a bunch of times, that and then the where we honor the military. Um, I come from a family of people who have served in the military. And so that's always something that's close to my heart. Um, the one that always sticks out with me is when... Um, and this is good golly, this is going on close to 12, 13 years ago, I think, is when Ryan Salmons was having his battle with cancer. Um, he was a fan who um, he signed, a, he signed like a one day contract with the Blue Jackets. Um, but I became very close to his family. So and, and we lost Ryan uh, in May. I want to say it was 2009, if I'm not mistaken, 2008 or 2009. Um, but I, to, to this day, I remain close with his dad. So those kinds of interactions are amazing. Uh, there's so many, and shame on me, I should be keeping a journal of, of all of the things that, that have taken place. But what's cool is all of those fan interactions, people will come back to me. And since I've been there for 18 years now, there will be an adult come up to me and go, Mr. Todd, and I always cringe when that happens because it means, uh-oh, this is going to be a back in the day story. Um, you know, Mr. Todd, you know, when I was a little kid, you interviewed me and you gave me a, a stinger stuffed animal or something. 
you know, those are cool. That that's cool. That that first of all, that that we left that much of an impression on someone, and that brings you true joy, knowing that you have created, even if it's just a small impression on someone that they felt enough about it to kind of tell you about it. You know, that's those are the those are the coolest things that that stick stick with me to this day. Yeah, no doubt. I remember I was telling Laura, I remember when I was a kid, I, I couldn't even tell you how old I was, but my dad and I start like my dad got quarter season tickets. And so I, one, you, you came up into our section one year and I remember like saying hi, trying to get your attention as you were running away to go do whatever Lord knows, like you said, going everywhere and everywhere. Uh, I think it was probably one of like the fifth line appreciation nights or something like that. So okay. you know, I, I told my dad, I was like, yeah, like we're interviewing Mike Todd. And he was like, oh, you remember when you tried? I was like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no doubt. So, awesome. yeah, right. So talking about like experiences that you've had, like in this role, I mean, of course, as you kind of mentioned, you don't get the chance to, to sit down and watch the games as they're happening always. But I'm going to throw a caveat to this question and saying that you can't say game four of the Tampa Bay series. What game has like stuck with you the most? What moment in Blue Jackets history has stuck with you the most um, and just kind of gives you chills to, to remember? So the game that Nick Foligno scores the overtime winner against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Now, here's the interesting thing. I didn't see the play. I was, and you'll notice at the end, at the end of the game now, you know, one second here. Um, so at the, at the end of the game, we hand out, the players hand out sticks and, and, and whatnot to, to throw to the fans. So I am behind the bench, right behind the bench. Uh, and I'm standing there with Todd Chirac, who's the head of PR for the Blue Jackets, and uh, Emily, who was on the, uh, on the promo team at the time. So we were standing there with, a, I don't know how many minutes left in regulation, where I think Doobie scored the, the, the game tying goal. So then after that, we go to overtime and I'm, I'm standing behind the, the bench and Emily is standing next to me. And all we hear is like this gasp, this collective gasp of the crowd and then a roar and the goal horn and it's deafening. It's deafening. And just the, the true level of excitement and joy of getting our first playoff victory at home I think was just it, it was it was indescribable you know you can try and come up with as many superlatives as you want but it's just that that true feeling of accomplishment that you know here's another step we've taken as an organization here's another gift the fifth line has of a memory that they can think of you know those are you know, that's, that's one of the games that, that really, uh, that really stuck with me. And then the other one is the first uh, opening night that I ever worked. I grew up in a small town in Ohio called Piedmont and never really knew much about hockey until I took a trip to Canada with my dad. And I was in, and this would have been like, I think it was 1980, 1981. I was in a gas station in Geraldton, Ontario. And I bought a pack of hockey cards and I remember buying them and then opening them up inside the gas station and going through them. 
It's like, oh, Guy Lafleur, this and the other, Wayne Gretzky. Well, who's Wayne Gretzky? People in the gas station go, who's Wayne Gretzky? Everybody in that gas station proceeded to tell me the tale of Wayne Gretzky up to that point in 1981, which he hadn't, I mean, he was a superstar within the hockey world, but he hadn't become the international superstar that he would. So they started telling me about this and they said, oh, you should be an Edmonton Oilers fan. So I became an Edmonton Oilers fan just on this chance meeting inside of a gas station in Geraldton, Ontario. So I started cheering for them. And of course, after that, all the great things that they did, an incredible story. So fast forward to 2003 opening night and we're playing the New York Rangers. I am in the penalty box with PA announcer, Greg Murray. We're about to go out onto the ice in a little bit, but I'm there for warmups. Who skates right up to me, but Mark Messier. And, you know, we've all, we've all had those moments where you're starstruck and I can still, he just, he's kind of skated right up to me. I don't think we made eye contact or anything like that, but I'm, I'm just like, I am standing less than two feet from Mark Messier. Uh, so that was a special evening, uh, one that I'll never forget. And it was just a preview of the amazing access that I would have to certain things and events uh, throughout my career so far with the Blue Jackets. But those, those two games really, really stick out. Yeah, that uh, goal by Nick in that Pittsburgh game is one of the first clips that Jeremy ever showed me after I sort of like caught the bug. And he was like, here are some things that you need to know. <laughs> me Here's all the list. Sorts of things. <laughs> showed me, um, I don't think I was a fan when Zach got hit in the face with the puck. Oh, um, but he- iconic moment. Yes, showed me the fan t-shirts that were made afterwards of how Zach's face looked. Um, all those, all those sorts introduced me to who Boomer was. I was like, interesting choice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's, even though I wasn't a fan yet, that's definitely uh, a memorable game for me, just having seen that, uh, that clip. Um, but we, we, we've heard you tell the nice stories about fan interactions, um, but we can also imagine that there have probably, and it doesn't have to be a Blue Jackets fan, it could be a visiting fan to Nationwide Arena. Um, are there any like, you know, really telling kind of crap interactions that you've had with fans? There's one. What, what, what are the protocols for language on this podcast, by the way? Go for Whatever it. you want. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah. So, spoiler alert, Mike Todd is about to utter a curse word. Um, this is the one that sticks out to me to this day. And the funny thing is, like, people who I work with or used to work with will still text each other this phrase because we remember what happened. So, and I can't, uh, honest to goodness, I cannot remember the game, but we were, we were getting our butts handed to us. It was just one of those nights where it was, where nothing was going our way. So I'm heading down the back stairwell and there's this, uh, there's this couple that are leaving and I still wanted to be nice. And so I said, you know what? Hey guys, I thank you guys for coming out. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate you being here. And the guy looks at me and he goes, this is shitty. 
<laughs> I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it is. I understand that. So, um, so now anytime that the jackets are having a rough night, some of my buddies and I will just text each other that phrase. And, and it's, it's funny because it, it happened one, one game this year where I, all I did was, and I actually did a video of myself and sent it to one of my friends who used to work at the jackets. And she was like, yep, I knew you are going to send that. Um, you know, so, you know, and you just have those rough nights where, you know, maybe you're not, I'm not doing my best job and, you know, and fans. And I think the thing is I've, I've learned over the years is that, especially when there's fans from other teams that they start chirping at you, it's nothing personal. They're just having, they're trying to have fun with you. And, you know, you just, either acknowledge them or you ignore them. And I always tell, especially the, the new promo members who come in, I was like, look, people are going to taunt you. They're going to call you names. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Don't even acknowledge them. Just keep on trucking. They're there spending their money in our building so that, you know, we, in, uh, for a job that we get paid for. So don't take it personal. Just, just keep on moving. So I mean, there's, there's, there's been a, a few interactions with, with people you're like, eh, I, I, I'd prefer that didn't happen. But, you know, for the most part, it's been, it's been a great positive experience. And even when the negative ones are, you know, they happen, you know, you, you look back on them and you laugh like that one I just shared with you. I'm thinking that you and your friends have to get in on some merchandise on, on a, this is shitty shirt. I think <laughs> it might, it might be one that, you need to don a couple times here over the next couple seasons, potentially. So I, <laughs> if I can do a, if I can do a shameless, shameless plug for one of my buddies, Matt Pfeffer, he does uh, yeah. this six, one, four hockey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, that might be one of those, uh, that might be one of those bootleg t-shirts that never sees the light of day, but it's a great idea on paper. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. We are big fans of Matt and everything. Six, one, four hockey. I, was just telling Jeremy last night because we were recording our announcement video and I had my club MDZ shirt on. Um, and I was like, we're still not sure if he's going to be here next season. So I should probably not wear it in the promo video. <laughs> uh, you know, what the heck? It's a good one. So obviously, as you mentioned, like sometimes you have difficult fan interactions and I'm not asking you to like give an opinion necessarily on it because I don't want to put you in any sort of an awkward spot but um today the timing of this is funny because today Aaron Portsline released a story that Brad Larson might be a front runner for the head coaching position and I just wanted to know um any of your personal interactions with him if you ever gotten the chance to or any of the stories that you've heard from being around the team ever or being around the arena I've been around Brad Larson a couple of times and he has been nothing but kind and affable to me. Um, I know that he is beloved by his players and I know that he is a great, I've, uh, the uh, Habitat for Humanity holds a, a 24 hour hockey game every year. I don't think they did it last year, obviously because of COVID, but the year before that Brad played in it. So I know that he is a first class guy, you know, and people are going to, you know, say what they're going to say. That's just, that's, that's the nature of things. That's just, just going to happen. Um, but any interaction that I've had with him, he's been nothing but wonderful. His family are wonderful. They're, they're good, good people. So, um, yeah, I've had nothing but positive interactions, interactions with Lars. He's a great guy. I love that. We say all the time on this podcast that we're like people first, like a people first podcast. We we're very, 
very empathetic as people. So those are the stories I love to hear. And those are the things that I love. Good, good. Yeah, absolutely. Laura, I'm going to throw it over to you for our fun one. We've got a fun one for you, Mike. This has been fun so far. (laughs) But this is a a super non-hockey related fun. Oh, okay. Um, So since you are heavily invested into one of our favorite places, Dairy Queen, um, we want to know what your favorite go-to menu item is. Okay. Well... If we're going you can do a sweet treat and a hot eat if you want. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, so let's go with uh, let's go with the hot eats first of all. And I tell you what, I put our hamburgers up against anybody's. Uh, and here's why I say that. I was just I was out of town last week, and for the first time ever, I had an In and Out burger, and and it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a very good burger. But I thought to myself, and of course, I'm incredibly biased. I'm like, but you know what? you know, this, uh, this is, you know, Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen's burgers, you know, I, I, I'd put it up against anybody. So I would say our burgers. And then as far as the ice cream treats, I am a big fan of the Reese cup blizzard. That's my, that's my go-to. Now I get the mini cause I'm on, cause I'm, I've been on Weight Watchers now for about a year and a half. So it's all about portioning. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll get the mini blizzard um or um we actually have these uh, dairy-free dilly bars now that are really good and it's made with coconut milk so it's pretty delicious but there's so many things to choose from and i've tried them all um but yeah it's 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 the simple things that, that i enjoy from dq uh but i tell you what you can't go wrong with a peanut buster parfait either that's greg murray the public address announcer that's his favorite dairy queen treat he loves he loves those peanut buster parfaits so but me bur- burgers and blizzards make me happy you and me both. I've got to know on a scale of one to 10, how good are your like curly cues at the top of your cones? Mine? Yeah. 11. 11? I've got to see it. I, 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 I tell you what, you, you come, you let me know when you're around town and I will show you, I can make a curl. Now here's the trick. Um, it's nice that if you can make the ice cream cone and make the perfect curl, but if you can then take the ice cream cone and then dip it in like chocolate or something, pull it up and the curl is still intact that's like scoring a hat trick that's what that is if you can make the curl and then dip it in the in like the if you take a vanilla cone dip it in chocolate bring it up the curl is still intact where the the cone dip solidifies and then you hand that out it's it's a work of art how many have you lost into the chocolate dip like i feel like that's all i would do is is lose my like the entire cup into it there's a very scientific approach to it. When you first get the ice cream out of the ice cream machine and it's on the cone, you can feel the, the weight of the ice cream. And if it's a little on the heavy side and you dip it down, you can kind of feel that. So what you do is you take a red spoon and you kind of support the ice cream cone and you flip it over. But yeah, until I learned that lesson a couple of times, you just you pull it up and it drops down. You're like, oh boy, now what? Um, but yeah, it's, it has happened a couple of times. And of course, when I hire the new ones and it happens to them, like, oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. It happens to everybody. Yeah. I feel like you've got to work it into the budget. The number, <laughs> number of codes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me. It's, it's factored in. <laughs> well, we have had so much fun in this interview. Thank you so much. I want to end on the positive and just ask you what has been, or like, what is your favorite part about the job that you do at Nationwide Arena with the Columbus Blue Jackets? 
developing relationships, um, whether it be with fans, with coworkers, uh, with people that I've met and I've worked with. I've been doing the NHL All-Star Game, the, the mascot uh, the mascot showdown. I've been doing that now for for six All-Star Games, and they're going to have me back again, I think, when, when the All-Star Game is back in uh, Florida uh, this coming January. And I've developed friendships there with people, you know, who I've worked with there. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a friend with Greg Wolf, who is the arena host down in Tampa Bay. He and I stay in constant contact. And if you follow my Twitter feed at all, at Mike Todd 614 for all you kids out there, um, you know, especially now with the way the Lightning are performing, um, you know, I've developed a special relationship with him. If we play each other in the playoffs, uh, in, during 2019, he and I had a bet going and of course, you know, the jackets won. So he sent me some cigars, you know, last, last year during the, the bubble hockey tournament, the lightning one. So I sent him a bottle of wine. Um, but you know, it's all good natured chirping. So it's just the relationships that I've built with, with coworkers and with fans, you know, it's just, it's something special, something that we can all share. And that's something that hopefully lasts a lifetime that, that, the connections that we make with one another, Laura, you've only been involved in the, in the film line now for, for a couple of years, but you will just, you'll be amazed at how many connections you make and how many relationships you build from just being a part of this. Well, and even just with um, starting this podcast, the how generous people have been with both Jeremy and I, um, you know, like Jeremy mentioned, we had Mark Scheig on, on the podcast earlier. He's the best, he's the best. He was, he was just so great. And um, Allison has reached out to us, um, Allison Lucan, especially. Love her. Love her. I, she was like, girl, I will help. I will teach you analytics because I really want to be a. Yes, student. she will. Yes, she will. <laughs> um, but no, I have, that was one of the things that made me fall in love with uh, the Blue Jackets. It's just the community and the the family that exists around this team and you know, regardless of what's going on or who's behind the bench or who's on the bench, um, you know, we're Blue Jackets through and through, so. Well, you know, that's, and that's the big point right there is, you know, especially being around for 18 years like I have, you know, all of these things change, players, coaches, you name it, but the relationships and the experiences that we share with one another, that's what, you know, stays there forever. And I think that's, that's a very important point that you make. Without a doubt. So you kind of alluded to it, but where can our listeners find you on social media? Okay, so on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Mike Todd, M-I-K-E-T-O-D-D, 614. Um, that's my main thing. I'm on, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, I think, is the same thing, but I haven't posted on Instagram in almost a year. <laughs> Um, so Twitter, Twitter's the, you know, is the thing that, that I'm on the most. So, you know, please feel free to follow me, uh, interact with me, taunt me, whatever. Um, I'm cool with that. Um, I do post cute pictures of my dogs. So, and, uh, so, so that you know about that, but, um, yeah, that's mostly Twitter at Mike Todd 614. You know, going back to what we were talking about earlier before we had Mike's interview re-released and like replayed in here for this episode, I just think the atmosphere continues to be like a really great name for a blizzard because like what do blizzards do they defy gravity and I feel like the atmosphere like I just feel like there's potential there and I'm not willing to give it up like I 
I know that we've already passed that. I know that Mike's interview was like 40 minutes, but I'm just here to continue to, to play that drum, pound that drum, bang that drum. What's the idiom? Uh, bang that drum. Yeah, yeah I'm going to do that. Um, like Stinger does. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> My favorite little bug. About the arena, Singer. Um, no, I just, I love that interview so much. And Mike is just truly like, I meant it when I say he is the atmosphere in the arena. Um, and we, he's just an all around great guy. And um, yeah, it was just so fun. And we definitely need to have him back on the podcast um, and, you know, catch up with him and all the incredible things that he's doing. And um, yeah, we definitely need to go to Dairy Queen too, because we also haven't like seen him in person since, um the nhl draft so when he so lovingly found us in the stands so that we could give him the um merch that we smuggled into nationwide arena for him um but so that's just you know another example of how uh great mike is and how appreciative we are of him but we hope you all enjoyed the episode and do you know how the episode was possible I just totally interrupted you. You were finishing a thought. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Because I'm literally about to ask you to do your social media plugs. If you had another thing to say, I would recommend saying it. <laughs> no, I, I was going to lead into the social media, but. Well, I was just going to say, because this all is possible because of social media, it's just really imperative that everybody follows us on social media because they too could witness an interaction like the one where I was like, Bobcat to Bobcat, Mike Todd do you want to do me a favor? (laughs) And he said, go cats, I'm in. Um, Yes, we did shoot our shot via Twitter in the summertime at Mike. So, um, and it paid off. So, you know, there are a couple of other people that we could shout out that have not, have yet to check the DMs that we sent them. But we we won't be petty on an episode that's released two days before Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i wouldn't want to like put any hyphens into the situation yeah or any legends you know just I don't, don't, don't want to play any games with folks you know all those things this just takes a lot of defending you know, we're just rookies in the podcast game yeah and and sometimes I feel like people like I feel the need to defend our honor. Yeah, I mean sometimes I can be a bit of a monster, but yeah. <laughs> this was one of our better moments. I <laughs> I appreciated this truly. Um, but no, seriously though, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. Um, you can check out our really great design, well-designed website at subjectivelyspeaking.com. If you're looking to spend some of that potential Christmas money that you are going to get um, and want to support your two favorite podcasters, one of whom is moving to Michigan. Um, In theory. You can check out our, <laughs> our merch store, subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com um, and get yourself some sweet podcast-related merch um 
And I've said I'm um, like six times in doing this. But lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. Still really looking for that um, next rating. I keep checking after it usually takes like 24 to 36 hours for a rating to post. So after I go on this spiel, I usually wait that a lot of time um, after an episode releases just to see, just to see if anyone will do it. Have yet to have that um, come true. So if you could do that for us, that would be great. Um, again, we don't know why it matters, but it helps us get noticed and it helps us grow this um, little hockey community of ours. Um, so yeah, which reminds me, it was my four-year hockey anniversary uh, two, two or three days ago from when this is released. So four sorry, years ago. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry for the pain and heartache that you've caused me. Yeah. Um, no, four years ago, Jeremy took me to my very first Blue Jackets game and the rest is a crazy blur of just stuff that to this day I still don't believe actually happened um sometimes but you know here we are four years later we own a business and get to chat about the team that we love get to work with the team that we love on occasion so um and get to talk to all of you so it was a great decision did you just find a way to make social media plugs emotional I did all right well um thanks for listening y'all <laughs> we really appreciate it and we hope this episode's coming out on the 23rd so we hope that as you're listening to this if you're traveling to whatever holiday plans you might have we hope that your travels are safe we hope that your time with folks um either in, in person virtually however you're celebrating this holiday season if you're celebrating this holiday season hope that it all goes as you dream it does uh, and hope that you're taking care of yourselves during the holiday season. And uh, we will talk to y'all soon. We, I'm not, we haven't talked about it, but maybe it's going to be Monday. Maybe it's going to be next Thursday. Stay tuned. We don't know. Uh, but until then, uh, take care of yourselves and we'll talk soon. Bye.